Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. All right, when we go back to that word advancement, advancing the kingdom, I was thinking about this. Anytime that our church body actually unifies as a family, or anytime somebody's being transformed, Anytime we're, we're empowering you to go out and do ministry or anytime that you're actually advancing the kingdom in your own life, uh, all of these things, advancement is already happening. When you think about it, when we unify as a family, we're fighting against what the devil wants to do through division. When you're being transformed, you're pushing back darkness in your life. When we're empowering you and you're being activated in your spiritual gifts and your passions, you're fulfilling the dreams and the destiny that God has for you, that's all considered advancing the kingdom of God. So what we wanna do is actually have, I've spoken on this last week a little bit, we want to make tangible, measurable progress. And we know that's not gonna happen over, overnight, but oh, in the upcoming years, we anticipate every single person that calls Central their home to have your own stories and your own testimonies about how God is advancing his kingdom through your life. So we'll actually be able to track how many people have given their lives to Jesus because you've led them to the Lord. We'll be able to track how many people you've been able to pray for, uh, give groceries to, minister to, uh, free them from addictions through prayer uh, because of your ministry. So it's not just church-wide, it's individual lives, individual stories that we look forward to sharing in these upcoming years. So what I wanna do is talk through some content that I shared at the men's retreat. I wanna use an illustration that I use there because I feel like the the body at large uh, just needs to grasp this one area. Now, if we look at the last phrase of our mission statement, it says this, while advancing the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Can you say everywhere we go? So last week we established a basic theology and doctrine of what it means, what his kingdom means, and what it means to actually advance or push forward the kingdom of God. But I want us to understand uh, this one aspect. For in, in order for us to advance God's kingdom everywhere we go, we first need to be who God created us to be everywhere we go. I want you to think about that for a minute. If we're not actually living out who God created us to be, if we're not actually strong in our identity, if we're worried about so many things in life, every time we interact with our family, every time we go to work, every time we're at the grocery store, whatever it is, if we're consumed with all of the situations in our life, how many of you know we're not actually going to be concerned with advancing his kingdom and ministering to other people, right? So it takes us understanding our identity first, and then we'll be able to pour out to other people wherever we go or everywhere we go. So the goal is simply this, to be who God created you to be everywhere you go so that you can advance the kingdom everywhere you go. This is not just on outreaches. This is not just uh, during special church events. This is you by yourself living the life God's given you to live outside the walls of these church, outside of a Wednesday night, outside of summer advance at Washington Estates, where you can actually say, I'm being honestly who God created me to be. I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm not trying to fake anything. I'm going through stuff. I might be struggling through stuff, but I'm gonna be honest with God, who God is in my life, what he created me, my identity, and I'm gonna push back darkness every chance I get. When we get, when we get to, when we grasp the view that there are people outside of us that need ministry, 
that God's taking care of us. God's gonna supply for us. God's gonna provide for us. And now we can be concerned with ministering to other people. That's called advancing the kingdom. So if you think about it, even in a, in a ray of light, if you think of like a rainbow, together, a rainbow is a beautiful thing. There's been some nice rainbows recently with the, the storms and so on this spring. So if you looked at our church family as an entire rainbow, it was going to push back a lot of darkness. Rainbows push back darkness. It can't be extremely dark right where a rainbow is. It has to pick a side, but it can't be where it is. Now, if you think about your individual life, you're also called to be light in the darkness. So if you think about one ray of light, let's just pick the blue ray of light. Maybe right within that, your unique calling, your unique DNA, your unique identity. You might be light blue. You might be indigo. You might be cyan. You might be navy blue. You might be royal, turquoise, sapphire, oxford. Did you know there was a blue called cornflower? Didn't know that until I Googled it. You might be electric blue or midnight blue. That's just within one ray of light. When it comes and it, and it encounters this earth, this atmosphere, it shows up as a brilliant light. This is what we're called to do. You're called to be a light in darkness. You're called to come and invade the culture and be a specific, unique light. God doesn't want one big ray, ray of red. He's created a lot of beautiful colors. He's created a lot of beautiful people that are in churches across this world. He's given you a unique identity. We just need to learn who that is. We need to be strong in that so we can advance his kingdom. If you wanna read along with me today, we're gonna to be in John chapter eight, then we're gonna to go to John chapter nine. <clears throat> we'll go to Matthew real quick and then back to John. The verses will be on the screen too, but I wanna read from you from John chapter eight, starting at verse 12. This is right after Jesus forgives the adulterous women. Woman, they're in the temple. People are ready to stone her. And he, uh, he basically shoves it back in their face that everybody's made these mistakes. He forgives her. And he says in uh, John chapter eight, sorry, verse 12, this is the New Living Translation. Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Well, the Pharisees say this, you're making those claims about yourself. Such a testimony is not valid. Jesus says, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. How many of you know that's identity right there? Jesus is saying, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. He says, you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I don't judge anyone. Verse 16, if I did, my judgment would, would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The father who sent me is with me. Right there. He knows his identity. He knows where he's from and he knows where he's going. And he actually knows who sent him on this task. He said, your own law says if two people agree about anything, their witness is acceptable as fact. I am one witness and the father, what? Who sent me is the other. Now reading through one of my study Bibles, it says that Jesus spoke these words in the treasury of the temple. So it's not just where they receive offering, but candles were also in this area. The candles represented the presence of God that led the Israelites through the wilderness. So Jesus is standing right next to these lights that represent God's presence. And Jesus is saying, I am that. I am your protection. I am the very presence of, the, uh, of God, the God who led you through the wilderness and got you through that and provided for you and protected you. I am that very thing. It's amazing when you think about the context of that, of why he would then say, you don't have to walk in darkness 
because you will have the light that leads to life. So Jesus makes a very bold claim here. He is the light of the world. The cool thing about light and science is this. You can't add darkness to this room. You couldn't get a machine to push a whole bunch of darkness into this room. Light dispels darkness. Darkness can't dispel light. You can't make something darker and darker and darker. What you have to do is remove the light. And Jesus is saying, I'm here. I've showed up. I'm the light of the world. If you no longer want to walk in darkness, follow me. And he makes a bold enough claim to say, I know where I've come from. I know where I'm going. He has strong identity. And he knows, he says it two different times, the one who sent him was the father. John chapter nine, he makes a second claim. It says, starting at verse one, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? See, they're trying to blame this sickness on something external. He says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in his life. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned, uh, assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, what does he say? I am the light of the world. Jesus spits on the ground, he makes mud, he puts it on the man's eyes, and he's healed. So now we have, just in chapter 8, and then again in the next conversation in chapter 9, we have Jesus making the claim, he is the light of the world. So it's through Christ that is that everything that we're doing when we advance the kingdom, we're talking about advancing the kingdom of God. It's through Jesus being the light that's pushing back darkness in people's lives. I said it last week. It, the, the, the best way that this could happen is when somebody turns from their, their lifestyle of sin and selfishness and turns toward God in repentance of their sin and finds Christ as their savior. But darkness is also pushed back when you pray with somebody who's lonely and they feel welcomed and invited again. Darkness is pushed back when somebody's addicted to something or has a bad habit and you pray for them and they no longer are doing that thing. That's darkness being pushed back and the kingdom of God being advanced. Even when Jesus cast out demons, he says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, some translations say the power of God, then the kingdom of God is come or has come upon them, is here, has shown up. It all means the same thing. So you have the opportunity every day to say, okay, I'm following Jesus, so I'm no longer walking in darkness. I'm gonna walk in the light as he is the light and allow him to minister through us. That's what we mean by advancing the kingdom. Watch what he says here. Look at verse four. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. It's interesting. One chapter earlier, I know where I came from and where I'm going. The father who sent me is with me. And later on, he says, my father who sent me is the other. And yet one chapter later, who does he bring into the fold? Us. He brings his disciples into it. He's now saying, listen, there's a work that needs to be quickly done because there's a time when work won't be able to be done anymore. Right? There's a time when we go into glory, when we, when we come face to face with him in heaven, there's not going to be any work to be done at that point, or there'll be a different work in the, in the new heavens and the new earth. But right now we have a very unique work that needs to be done. And he's saying it needs to be done quickly. 
Soon the final judgment will happen and there'll be no more work that you could be done to advance his kingdom on the earth. But I love how he transitions this from the one who sent me to now we must carry this out quickly because we have been sent. And he says, while I am in this world, I am the light of the world. I wanna leave John just for a moment. You could stay there if you've turned there. But there's a shift that takes place in Matthew chapter five. He says something bold here in verse 13. It'll be on the screen. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it loses its flavor? And I won't get into that aspect of it today. It says, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And then he says, you are the light of the world. We've talked about this several times. I think it's just important to continue to remind us of something. Jesus made the claim that he is the light of the world. And then the second time we read it, he says, while I'm in this world, while I'm in this atmosphere, I'm the light of the world. But if you look at just a different gospel, he makes the claim, you are the light of the world. So he's talking about his identity. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. I know who sent me. And you know all this stuff? You are the same way. You are the light of the world. It doesn't make us divinity. It doesn't make us on the same level of Jesus. It gives us the same assignment that Jesus had to push back the darkness and to advance his kingdom. He says, like a city on, top, on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. I like this. He gives us our identity before he gives us our activity. He says, you're the light of the world. Now that you know that, put that thing up here. Don't hide it. Put it up on a stand where some of the people in the house will be experience it, right? Please say no. No. You all, you're okay? I'm filling out my Holy Spirit sheet. I'm not paying attention. It says, Jesus is commanding us to put our light on a stand so that everyone in the house will be able to experience and receive it. If you know anything about that culture, houses back then were not like houses today, where it's like you have to give a three-week notice before you're gonna show up so we can clean the house and get ready and have everything ready, right? Houses then were like communal meeting places. People were in and out, and there were multiple families and friends that lived in community. So your house was not closed off, your house was open. So the anticipation and the illustration he was giving is that everybody you live life with will experience that light. I'm the light of the world, I'm the light of the world. While I'm on this earth, I'm the light of the world. And he switches it on us and he says, you know what? I actually trust you to be the light of the world. That's an amazing revelation if we could just catch that. He trusts you enough to be the light of the world. So if you follow from John 8 to John 9 to Matthew 5, he goes from me to we to you. And I believe John chapter 20 gives revelation of why. He says this in John chapter 20, because if he's the light, how can we be the light? This is the same day as his resurrection, starting at verse 19. It says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. So obviously he told him early on in his ministry, you're the light of the world. He ministered to them for three and a half years and they were still facing fear. He says, suddenly Jesus was standing among them. He says, peace be with you. 
As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. And he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about in upcoming weeks. So what he's saying is this, John chapter eight, right? I know where I come from. I know where I'm going. The one who sent me is the Father. Says it again, you know, uh, that we were given an assignment by the Father. Then he says, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine. But here he, give, he gives the most clear instructions. The Father has sent me, and now I am sending you. This applies to all believers. The same assignment Jesus was given outside of the divinity dying for sins, we are given that assignment to be lights of the world. In John 10, uh, 10, 10, I think Don even mentioned it in her word today. It's talking about the thief coming to steal, to kill, and destroy. But that Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full, or have a rich and satisfying life, or have an abundant life, depending upon what translation you use. So one portion, a major portion of Jesus' job description is to give us a rich and satisfying or a full and an abundant life. So if he was given that and we're given an assignment now to take his name and his ministry to other people, when we see people who are broken, sad, depressed, lonely, isolated, whatever, discouraged, and we minister the hope of Jesus Christ to them. We offer to pray with them. We give them an extra big tip at the restaurant. Whatever God's telling you to do, we are actually advancing the kingdom. We're saying we want them to have a taste of what the abundant life looks like, even if they don't know Jesus yet. Then in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But it says here, but the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So if you want to make this super practical and you wanna say, I wanna know how to advance the, 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 the kingdom of God. I wanna know how to take what God's given me and advance it. Find one area where you can conclude the devil is working in someone's life. I don't mean that they're possessed. I don't mean that they're completely bound. Just find one area where there's lack in their life. Find one area where there's discouragement, loss, brokenness, and go and minister to that. Destroy what the devil's trying to do in people's lives. When that happens, it says the kingdom of God comes upon them. It's that practical. Find what you think is trying to be stolen or killed or destroyed in someone's life. And you go and you counter that with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and you'll watch his kingdom advance. See, every single one of us is unique and we all have different places to go in life. We're all interacting at different places with different people. The amount of light that we have in us is absolutely going to determine the amount of light that we're able to shine on other people. And it's not us, right? We're not like practicing this. This is receiving more light from the Father so that we can dispel more light into the darkness. So let's look at those spheres that are up here. We have different areas of life that we're going to go to, and some of these words may, may not match, but that's okay. So we have a home life, right? Everybody has a home. You might live by yourself. Uh, you might live with multiple people. Alan, I'll ask you to stand right here. So you have a home life, and you might be one person in your home life, but maybe in the community, maybe you struggle, and you, you might act like a little bit different here. But in home life, you're, you're dealing with the people that are closest to you. You're dealing with your family. Jason, I'll ask that you can stand here. 
And then you could travel over to the community, right? The community might be a place uh, where you work out. It uh, might be just your, your street if you live within a community. And you have an opportunity to advance the kingdom right in your community. Then you have a career. Students, I, I tell my kids that, that their a report card is their paycheck. So this is your career for now, is going to school. It would apply to school. Bill, I'll ask if you could stand up. Just hold this for a moment. In your career, you have the opportunity every single day. If you're retired, it's whatever you do instead of going to work. When you're at home, when you're in the community, same thing. For those of you who work, I mean, some, some of you are at work more than you're at home. Think about how much ministry the Lord has for you in that place. Marketplace, Hoppy, I'll ask that you hold this. In the marketplace, that's where you shop. That's where you get gas. It's where we're usually rushing in and out of, and we rarely think, how can I advance the kingdom? And then we have a mission field that would align with church. Sam, I'll ask if you can hold this up. It would, it would be what you're doing inside uh, the walls of the church and then outside when you're going on outreach. Now, if I look at just myself, as one person in all these areas of life, and hobbies would be included in this as well. How many of you know we're extended people? We're out in a lot of different areas, and we have great opportunities to demonstrate the love of God to people who desperately need it. I started thinking back in my own life. You know, my, my youngest son is 10 years old. My oldest child, my oldest daughter, or my oldest child, Isabella, my only daughter will be 14 in just a few weeks. For 14 years, Sharice and I have had the opportunity to advance the kingdom of God in our home. So you see the benefits and you see the times we've shared God's word and we've prayed with them. Then we also see the mistakes that we've made. You'll probably see this in every area, every aspect. I thought about restaurants I've been to in the last just even four or five weeks. I know of at least three, maybe four different waitresses or waiters that we've been able to pray for. And we've been out, even when we went to a minister's enrichment just a few weeks, or minister's summit just a few weeks back, being able to speak words of knowledge or prophetic words over people who are broken and they're hurting. And you just take the time. But I think about how many restaurants I've gone to where I've never offered to pray with somebody. Think about in the community. You know, Sharice and I both, we've had an opportunity to pray with several, several of our neighbors, invite them to church, minister to them. Some it's been received well, and some it hasn't been received at all. I think about Planet Fitness, where I work out not as much as I should. Um, <laughs> But I'm, I have my earbuds in and I just work out and I keep to myself a lot on there. And I think about every opportunity that I could have had. I'll just share this one with you because I'm being transparent. The one time I saw this guy working out and he said finance. He said business finance. This man, just like not an audible voice, just had the thought inside that this man was supposed to share his knowledge of how to deal with money with his grandkids. So I was like, oh, this is so cool. God wants to like work in this guy's life and leave a legacy of how to handle money and so on. So I said, hey, sir, I said, my name's Kurt. So I'm from the local area. I said, I just have a quick question to ask you. I said, are you, are you in business? He was like, I'm retired. I've been retired for you know, 23 years. And he started stepping back. I said, okay, that's okay. I said, were you like in finance? He goes, sir, I told you I'm retired. So I just went for it. I said, hey, I said, I'm a Christian. And I just, I just um, I don't know if I said practice or I just try to follow the leading of the Lord if I feel like he's whispering something to me. I said, I really feel like the Lord wants to use you to teach your grandkids uh, you know, with, with money and with finances. So maybe you weren't in finances, maybe you weren't in business, maybe I, I missed all that. I said, but maybe the next time you, know, you, you give your grandchild uh, a gift or something, the Lord will just remind you of it. He said something funny, I was trying to remember. He was like, well, nice try, but you know, have a good day or something. So I was like, okay, I got, I got shut down on that one. <laughs> but it's just, it, it's reaching out. It's doing what the Lord's asking you to do. 
My kids' sports, you know, when they played soccer out in public, I had a chance to pray with coaches, to pray with parents, to pray with kids and minister. But in all these areas, I still know that there's many, many more areas that I've missed. I think about one in the community. I had to go to Dollar General for something Sharice needed. It was the night before Easter. And I'm at, I'm at the checkout counter. And the Lord says, buy whatever this lady needs behind me. You know what I told the Lord? No. I don't know why. I was in a rush. I was finishing my sermon. I ran down there after. And I like froze. I'm like, that's the easiest thing. I don't even, I don't have to say I'm a Christian. I don't have to, can I pray with you? Holy Spirit. No. He just said, he just said, buy whatever she needs. And I realized that sometimes in the community, I'll call you up in just a couple minutes. You can sit back down. Sometimes in the community, I'm not the same fiery person that I might be on this mission field or in church. I'll take this, Sam. And then I realized sometimes, what do you have, Hoppy? That I might not be the same exact person in the marketplace that I am at church or in the community. Or maybe even in my career, right? Sometimes if people say, will you pray after this meeting? I'll say, I get paid to pray. You pray. <laughs> right? So this, this is easy for me. Everybody's supposed to know I'm a Christian here. Think about your career, Right? Last but not least in the home, how many of us can be really, really strong in our business and, and, and in the mission field and at church, but by the time we get home and we're tired, and eh, it doesn't look like that too much. The Lord was asking me questions and I wanna ask you these questions and we'll, we'll close in a few minutes here. In any of these spheres of influence that you have, I wanna I want ask you a question. This isn't to make you feel bad, it's just a reality check so we can move forward advancing his kingdom. In any of these areas, would somebody that you interact with in any of these spheres of influence be surprised if they found out you went to church? They'd say, oh, well, I wouldn't have imagined that about you. <laughs> I want you to think through these areas. Now, it's easy to go to church, right? I go to church every couple weeks, whatever. What if they found out you were a Christian? Think about it. In the middle of where you shop, where you get gasoline, how you've treated the Walmart employee, whatever it is, in the middle of your cubicle, if you said, I'm a Christian, would people be like, what? Or would they say, exactly, I know that. But you know, there's still like 60 or 70% of America calls themselves Christian. What if in every area you said to every person in every sphere of influence, I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Would they be surprised or would they say, I know that. I see it in your life. I see it in your ministry. I see it in the way that you live. Because remember, the goal here of what we're talking about is to be who God created you to be everywhere you go. And out of that revelation, you can and will advance the kingdom everywhere you go. So a solution to this, I feel, is to make it so strong. I'm going to hold a hoop now. To make it so strong in our lives that we experience personal revival in our own life and we know who we are. So if you are tired and you're going home, you still know who you are. When you're going to work and you, instead of saying, well, it's Monday, say, no, this is a brand new day. Like today could be pray it and speak it with our kids. Today could be the best day of somebody else's life because of Christ in me.
If we would approach that in every sphere of influence, what would that look like? So I started thinking, what does personal revival look like? How do we fan the flame of the gift of God that's inside of us? And I found this quote by Charles Finney. He once said this, revival is as simple as drawing a circle on the ground around yourself and within that circle, you have revival. This is a revivalist saying this. He did not say, wait until the next evangelist comes into town. He did not say, wait until the next church service. He did not say, wait until you, you feel the goosebumps. He didn't say, wait until the best time of prayer ever. He said, draw a circle around yourself. Within that circle, decide to have revival. So do you know what that means? If you look, if you track the history of revivals across this road, it starts with deep repentance. It doesn't start with a really good worship set. It starts with realizing, oh my goodness, God, I realize I am who I'm created to be at work and at church and in the community, but not at home and not at the marketplace. I'm too task-focused and too quick to move, or God, maybe I'm that way in the grocery store and this, but in my career, people would laugh if they found out I was a Christian. This is how you have revival. You make a decision in your heart, in this circle, where I am, revival is going to come. And it starts with being honest with yourself when you're not who you, who you were created to be by God everywhere you go. And when we're honest with ourselves, when we repent, Jason, you come up, then I believe we'll begin to see those things. So I want you to ask yourself, go through each of those spheres. Go through, you can put those spheres back up. I want you to picture yourself with your family in your home. Picture yourself in your workplace or in your school, in your community. Like, would your neighbors know the same you that your brothers and sisters know? Would your coworkers know the same you as your neighbors know? With the people that you work out with, the people that you play sports with, the people that you play cards with, whatever it is, do they know the same you that God created you to be? If not, then there's just a true repentance that I believe needs to happen. Because Jesus said, not just I'm the light of the world, not just we were sent here, but he made a statement and he said, you are the light of the world. And if, he, if your Savior is commanding you to position your light so that every single person in your house, which means your home, your community, your career, your church, everybody that's in your house, if he's telling us to position that so that everybody shines, then what it's going to look like is a little bit more like this that I've drawn the circle around me. So now when I go to my church, if somebody in the middle of summer advance at Washington Estates, if somebody from my workplace would drive through there because they live there and they would see you praying over somebody, they would say, yeah, that's the guy I know. That's the girl I know. Or if somebody from Walmart or Shop and Save or Giant Eagle that has waited on you the last six months visits this church, and they say, yeah, that's the person that's been praying for me and ministering and buying me a Diet Coke when I look tired. Or if everybody from church came into my living room with my kids, would it be the same exact person? 
I believe we all have some repenting to do. To make a decision that this circle of revival is going to follow me everywhere that I go. His spirit is in me. So everywhere I go, his kingdom goes. And I have the opportunity to take this in every single sphere of life and simply minister the love of God and the kingdom of God. Why don't we stand? I'm simply going to uh, do a very loose closing today. I'm gonna pray for you guys, but I I want you to have an opportunity uh, to come forward and just meet with God. If some of you, if you look up and you can keep, keep that, that graphic up there. If, so, if one of you sees one of those areas where they, you know what, they would, be, they would be really surprised if they would know I followed Jesus. It has to change today. The next time I go into my, my workplace, the next time I go into wherever I shop, the next time I go into the place where I work out, uh, it, it has to change. And it can change like today. Repentance doesn't have to be some 10 month process from where you are quietly, or you're welcome to come up here. We won't even call our altar team up today. Wherever you are, you could just walk forward and you just say like, all right, God, I'm confessing that this one sphere is really, really weak. These two spheres need to advance. You ask for his forgiveness, you repent of it, which means you change the way you think about it, which means you come out of agreement. I, don't, I no longer agree how I behave. I no longer agree how I'm acting in this one sphere. And I ask you to change that in Jesus' name. You know, years and years and years of either anger or impatience or division or even gossip, whatever it is in any of these spheres can change in an instant if we're just honest with God. So I'm gonna pray for you and then you're welcome to come forward. You're welcome to stay where you are. If you do uh, exit, I will ask that the ushers just have those buckets ready. If you can just exit quietly when you exit just to be um, sensitive to people around you. So Father, we do just pray now for just a sweet, sweet presence of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we know that your Holy Spirit doesn't change. Father, you don't change. Jesus, you don't change. You're the same. Jesus, we could imagine you in the temple by yourself with your disciples ministering to someone or being almost thrown off a cliff all the way to being put on the cross and you never changed. You were who you were because you knew your identity. So Father, we want that same identity. We want that same conviction We want that same revival lifestyle everywhere we go. And not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of other people. So just the sweet, sweet presence of your Holy Spirit. We just ask that you would move even now, that there would be transformation to be had. Father, for anyone who's opening up their heart to you right now, we pray for that gift of repentance to be given to them. We pray that today would be a change, a significant change, a significant shift in their life as you bless us as we go. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.